0: Well, welcome to another episode of A Bar Idea. I wanted to share a little bit about myself so you can see where I'm coming from. And then hopefully you can better understand um, other information I share in the future. But where did this information I want to share come from? How did it come into my life? Well, I was born on Christmas Eve, over 60 years ago, 63 years ago. Um, In the town I was living in, I was with my aunts and uncles. There were 10 kids in my father's family. Eight of them were girls. They were all teenagers when I was born. So when I was born into the world, my first experience of of life was being treated like royalty because I was introduced to everybody as a gift from God being you know born on Christmas Eve and all of these teenagers wanted to hold the new baby. So for the first three years of my life I was treated like royalty. I was the happiest kid alive. Everybody would tell you that. I was always happy, always had a big smile on my face. Um, I was described as the perfect baby, perfect child, until I reached three. Then my brother was born, and I developed a kidney infection. So I started wetting the bed. That's all my parents knew is um, I would just wet the bed. And during the day, I would have uh, some accidents as well. I was three years old, remember. So my mother went to a doctor, and the doctors told her that she needs to discipline me. She needs to spank me. She needs to physically beat me, which is what it was, um, because they said she's just lazy. And... That wasn't working, so she went to her priest. We were Catholic. We went to church every Sunday. I went to Sunday school. We were heavy Catholics. Well, the Catholic priest says, your child is lazy. She needs discipline. Beat her. So at three years of age, I know that I'm not lazy. I know if I need to go to the bathroom, I'll go to the bathroom. There's nothing stopping me. If if I'm in the middle of the night and I'm sleeping and my body is aware I need to go to the bathroom and I wake up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, I will get up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. I won't sit there and sleep in, in piss. I won't I, I, people just don't do that on purpose (laughs) it just does not make sense to me so as a three-year-old child can you imagine what it's like to wake up and your bed is wet and and now you know you're facing a beating like it was terrifying let me gain myself because reliving that is pretty hard after a year of that my mother couldn't handle it because she's not she, it broke her heart to, to hurt me to physically beat me like that was killing her. It was harder for her than it was even for me. So she finally went to get a second opinion, and that's when they found out I had in fact developed a kidney infection, and uh, from that day forward with my mom, I could never talk about that trauma because it was too traumatic for my mother. But it set a life from that moment on or from that year on. I was beaten on a regular basis. My father would even say, "It's been it's been a month. You haven't had your regular beating. It's time." For no reason, my father just loved to beat me. Um, so it was a very challenging life. My mother had uh, told me. Uh, At a young age, she used to do her own horoscopes. She used to do the calculations, you know, the planets and the stars and all of the mathematical things that are needed to do to do your horoscope. My mother was deep into that. And um, because we couldn't talk about the hardships that I was going through, she would constantly try to make, uh, uh, give me encouragement and support through these horoscopes. So... She was telling me that my life was challenging, um, but it will all mean something. She says you're in a learning process and in your later years, um, you will find success with it. So for some reason that just made me feel a lot better knowing that I was in a learning phase and that phase will end, um, to know that it 's going to be part of something that I would be successful at, um, it kind of made you feel a little bit more comfortable um, or at ease having some direction um, takes away i guess the pain of something not knowing is 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 painful it's frustrating it's I don't know, I I don't like living in not knowing of something, but when I know something, then it feels a lot more comfortable, so just the knowing, you know, of, okay, you're in a learning phase, okay, that makes it feel a little bit better, you're still learning, still pain, um, still life lessons going on, and, and those life lessons are painful, but at least I know, oh, they're lessons, I will get smart, I will be able to do something with it later years, so that's, uh, I kind of started, uh, wanting to understand the meaning of life and I, through all of that, I always had, uh, God, um, uh, this invisible voice that I would always be able to talk to. So now I'm getting on to about 12 years old and I have these glasses. When I was uh, went to school for the first time, when I went into grade one, uh, that's when we learned that I was basically blind. Uh, it, it's really weird because everything is fine. I can, you know, in my world, I can see everything perfectly, until I'm put into a school and have to read a book or look at a blackboard. Now all of a sudden I can't see anything. And they thought, I don't know why people didn't never take me seriously, but they didn't believe that I couldn't see. So it was a slow process. The teacher would constantly bring my desk, you know, one closer and closer every day. It would get a little closer and closer until my desk was eventually touching the blackboard And when it reached the blackboard, that's when they decided, oh, maybe your mom should go and uh, take you to the doctor and see if you need glasses. So this was uh, in grade one. Um, My glasses, when I was 12, um, I measured them with a ruler. They were an inch thick. So can you imagine going to school and the level of teasing that you get with uh, glasses an inch thick? life was hell. Um, so I'm begging God, my good friend, and I'm like, okay, God, I'll be my very best. I'll do what you want me to do. Um, if you could only get me glass, uh, contact lenses. Now, back then in those days, they didn't give contact lenses to kids. Um, you you had to be an adult because uh, of the dangers of contact lenses and infections in your eye and a lot of technical stuff. Kids just weren't allowed to have contact lenses. I had said this prayer one night, and the next day my mother informs me that I have um, an optometrist appointment. And... Uh, so I go have this appointment and this optometrist tells my mom that I have to get contact lenses because uh, my eyes are growing worse every six months. The thickness is going to get worse. The heaviness is going to get worse. Every six months I will need new glasses. These, are, these glasses are now getting more expensive than contact lenses Where if I had contacts, it would slow the uh, progression or the degradation of my eyesight. And it would be actually cheaper for my mom. My mom's really frugal. She would have never bought anything extra or fruit, you know, like contact lenses. But if it meant that it would save her money, (laughs) she was all for it. So that was my sort of first experience of a God miracle. Like... I was, holy shit. And I had made this promise to be my very, very best, um, if God granted this to me. So to me, it wasn't uh, like now that I'm 60, trust I've made a lot of promises and, you know, oh God, please just do this and this will happen. My study was what made that promise Work where all my other promises didn't work. And in this particular promise, um, what I think happened is it was a win win. God, the Creator, wants me to be my best, and I want to be my best. So it's a promise that it was a win win. I couldn't fail. It's something that I truly wanted in the first place. I was young, I didn't know the difference between anything. Bad, and because I made this promise, it was something that really um, I followed through on it all the time. But I really think that that is where things have more alignment with you know making deals with God. I think there's already a plan in place, and when that plan is in alignment. Like when I'm in alignment with my own personal life plan, that's when things happen like magic. So that's where I kind of, that's where my field of study started looking at is, okay, this one worked. What's the difference between all of the other times? Now I'll give you another example of a miracle. Um, Our family was uh, living in, uh, low income housing we were being subsidized from welfare. I had uh four children. my husband at the time this was when g s t was being introduced, and factories were being moved to uh Mexico. A lot of people were losing their jobs, so we had moved to alberta um to canmore alberta to in hopes that my husband can get a job in um forestry. He wanted to be a, for, like a, a park ranger. So you have to live there. So we, we moved there. Um, he was doing what he could to get into that field. In the meantime, we we're being subsidized by welfare and uh, uh, living in low-income housing. Now, I absolutely hated it. And um, one day I just decided I'm buying a house. Now, remember, there's no income. It's Canmore, Alberta, the most expensive place to live in Canada. And no savings. No, you know, like income. You know, when you're topped off with welfare, it's like, you may as well say our welfare was equivalent. Our income was equivalent to welfare. And I'm going to buy a house. So naturally, a lot of people are going to say I'm a little crazy. And it's an enough, our idea to think that you could buy a house in the most expensive place, no savings, no job. But I was going around telling everybody I'm buying a house." And uh, uh, this one girl, one day um, in the post office, um, came up, and we met at the post office, and I asked her how she was doing. She asked me, "What's new?" so naturally I said well I'm buying a house and she knows that I don't have an income really and don't have any savings so she, her next thing was well how are you going to pull that one off and just as she asked that question somebody in the post office because we, we ran into each other in the post office um, overheard the conversation and the, this person was a wealthy person that had purchased a uh, A beautiful mobile home um, that they were going to live in while they build a mansion on this big piece of land that they just bought. Now they purchased this trailer lived in it for about a month and then went and lived in their mansion in the States for the winter. While they were there in the winter they decided they didn't even want to live in Canmore so they just came up to get rid of all of their properties and move. So She just wanted to give her property away. Uh, So we ended up buying, within two weeks of me saying I wanted to buy a house, within two weeks I was moving into my own house. So it was a nut bar idea, but it worked. And then there's another story of an airbrush. God's mailing me an airbrush. This is a really nut bar idea. Um... I was uh, trying to leave this abusive marriage and needed to um, have a job with four kids because I wasn't uh, um, depending on uh, getting any kind of support. So um, my husband at the time was painting hard hats for people in the oil field that he was working with, and I thought, well, I could do that. So um, we ended up buying two cheap airbrushes from Walmart and he took his airbrush to work with him and I was left to work with the airbrush at home. And when I started this first uh, hard hat, it was of a wolf and a polar bear. And at the time, there were this religious group that wanted to talk with me that I've been putting off every time they phoned. I'm busy, I'm busy, because I really didn't want to talk with them. they were a religion that I just don't uh, support their views. But because I was looking at a lot, of, a lot of answers to, you know, trying to leave this abusive marriage and, you know, trying to understand life. I was, I searched through every religion. I looked for answers everywhere. So this was one particular religion that I did contact at once. Didn't really like what I heard and wasn't really interested in them. But for about five years, they kept phoning me. So they phoned me again when I was working on this first hard hat. And I said, okay, fine, I'll talk with you, but I'm going to be working on this um, uh, hard hat because I have to work. And so they popped by while I was working. First meeting went fine. There was nothing wrong with it. Was working on this hard hat. As soon as they left, the airbrush broke. But I had also finished the painting. And I'm extremely critical of my work. I'm a perfectionist. I don't like to um, start anything or do anything if it's not perfect. Um, it's, it's a downside. <laughs> so, um, I, I did this artwork and it was the first time that I'm like, holy shit, you did that. That is amazing. Like, I couldn't believe that I could do that. And, and I, it's not like me to, to compliment my own work. So, um, there was this overpowering sensation. What happened was, is we tried to take these airbrushes back to Walmart, but, um, the process of, of getting a new one was going to take a month. And if we were going to run a business, we can't run it that way. So we ended up returning both airbrushes and spending the money on a professional airbrush, which my husband took with him to work because he was the one that was doing it in the first place. I was just trying to do the same thing as him. So here I was left with no airbrush, seeing my first uh, um, artwork that I was capable of doing with this tool, Um, and I was talking with this religious group. So it was a combination of everything that just popped into my head, and I just says, God would not show me I have that talent, and then just take the tools away. God's mailing me an airbrush. So for a week, I was telling everybody, God's mailing me an airbrush. I was having so much fun with that. I would open up my front door to see if it arrived. If anybody phoned me, the first thing I would say is, I'm so excited, God's mailing me an airbrush. I can't wait till it arrives. I was really playing it. I was having as much fun as I possibly could, but I was also really... Having fun, like as if it was real. And um, then the second meeting with this religious group came by and they ended up asking me this question What's your connection with God? And so I'm having a lot of fun being God that week. So I told them, Well, my airbrush broke and now God's mailing me an airbrush. And they said, Well, that's not how God works. You're supposed to get a job, save your money, and buy your own airbrush. And I said, No, that's your connection with God. My connection with God? God's mailing me an airbrush. So they had left. It was really weird this time when they had left the second time because I have this dog and the dog we had was her name was Angel and Angel was you know, is is a pussycat. But Angel was growling at these guys. Um, she did not like them at the second meeting. She was really, her, her hackles were up. For some odd reason, she just did not like it. But that statement came out that, you know, <laughs> I thought it was priceless. Um, anyways, uh, within two weeks, of me saying, God's mailing me an airbrush. An airbrush was literally mailed to my house. What happened was, um, my husband at the time couldn't use this professional one. It was too sensitive for his work environment, so he mailed it back home, and it was now mine. So God works in mysterious ways, even putting a little bit of dust into an airbrush so it can't work. So that's pretty funny. Then there's the God lawyer story in trying to keep this uh, uh, my my podcast to half an hour. I'm going to try and make this one short, but I've already kind of explained it that uh, um, I was in this divorce um, something tragic had happened that I had to correct. Uh, legally, there's a beeping for in my trailer right now. It'll probably cut off. Ignore the beep. Um, anyways, I was being screwed in the courts royally and I had to switch my, um, shift to midnight shift to work on this thing full time with lawyers. Every lawyer's telling me, no, can't help you. No, can't help you. No, can't help you. um. So the night this this one particular night, I was breaking down. I was really losing it. Um, I had asked God that night, God, you got to give me some direction. I need an answer. And um, so, the next day, I get up, start working, phoning lawyers, and I talked to this one lawyer, and he kept saying, "No, can't help you. Can't help you. Can't be done." And then I heard a, a click in the phone, which I thought he hung up. There was a big pause. I didn't hear him say anything. So I thought he hung up. So I hung up. And this lawyer phones me right back and says, uh, I didn't want to leave you like that. He says, asked me, have you ever heard of the book Conversations with God? And I did. And, and the message of that book is God works through other people. So... um good news there is God will show up when all of us show up. <laughs> God works through us. So anyways, I knew something was up. This, you know, God book about God's going to work through other people, something's up. And and the next word's out of this lawyer's mouth. Remember, he's a lawyer. This lawyer says to me, okay, God's got a message for you. He wants me to tell you that you're supposed to take everything that was done to you and do something with it. I was like, this is really freaky, weird because um, it, it it was an answer that did make me feel comfortable because I did ask God for an answer, a direction the night before, and the next day, a lawyer. <laughs> Is is saying God is giving you direction and an answer. So it really made me feel like God was with me. He was going to make sure that I was going to be okay. Um, he also had this plan that I would be successful in my later years. I'm still not experiencing the successes, so I'm going to trust that that success is now going to be with this podcast and my... Um, Passion to influence change. I really feel everything that was done to me is 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 a role of what's happening to everybody now. Um, I see what what has happened to me is going to be happening to a lot of other people. I see, uh, you know, an increase in mental illness. Just like I experienced um, uh, mental health challenges when our systems were working against me. Now, if you feel that the systems are working against you, can you see the kind of parallel that's going on in God's message that you're supposed to take everything that was done to you and do something with it? And, and that's sort of the message that I'm kind of sharing with everybody. Take everything that's being done to you and do something with it. And it's not about um, getting mad or getting even. It's about taking all of the knowledge you're getting about everything that's wrong because it's teaching you about everything that's right. To know and judge what's wrong is to know what is right. How can you say something's wrong if you don't know what's right? So we're sitting in a time frame in humanity with an opportunity to stop doing everything that's wrong and start building everything that's right. I truly believe that that's what happened back then. Um, Once I um, started on a disability, that's when I started doing my own research I focused on my own healing, clearly didn't, uh, wasn't as successful as I'd want to be because I still had a smoking challenge that I could not quit. That smoking challenge I knew was going to kill me. And 2020, I get cancer. Isn't that freaky weird? While I have been Doing all the research that proves cancer is 100% curable, (laughs) so um, I'm not scared of can. I I kind of am. There, I can't lie. There is, it it plays on you. Um, But my knowing, my true knowing is, well, God wouldn't have showed me that I was supposed to do something, and then just allow me to die. (laughs) You know, like I don't think that that was in the plan. That I'm supposed to take everything and do something with it. Oh, but we're going to, you're going to die before you do something about it. So I don't, and my mother said I'd be successful in my later years. There's too many things, too many signs that say our future is going to be a lot different. It's going to be a lot better. So that's why I wanted to share these stories with you is, um, It's been my experiences that, like, I can tell when something's going to unfold and when it's not going to unfold. I could predict these times were coming. Um, I've kind of accepted that millions of people are going to die. I don't want that to happen. I wish we could prevent it. But I think... That's loss is how we learn and there's going to be a big loss for us to wake up. We've lost our jobs. We've lost, you know, there's a lot of lives that have been lost and there's going to be a lot of lives that will be lost. But if you are suicidal, <laughs> you know, it, don't give up. The future is going to be better. Get in the game. Give me a call. Let's talk because you do have purpose living, not dying. I don't want to see anybody die from this. I really wish our future was about us being strong enough to push past it. Don't give up before the miracle shows up. Have a great day.